everyone, and welcome to Minute 127 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast, where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Richard Kirkham, the current host of the Lambcast and the perpetual host of Kirkham, a movie a day, the, that great website with lots of, uh, with, with lots of, bleh, <laughs> with content. Lots. <laughs> lots of movies that that Richard gets to see in the theater. <laughs> so welcome back to the show, Richard. Hey, yippee Kaye, it's great to be here. I screwed it up, didn't I? <laughs> no, you didn't screw anything up. You're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> you can always say yippee Kaye when you're talking about Die Hard. Why not? You know that that that's one of the most iconic phrases, not just from this movie, but in all of moviedom. You know, it's one of those phrases that most people, if you say to them yippee Kaye. Or most movie lovers, if you say EPKA, they're going to know you're talking about uh, Die Hard. You know. So, or you know Roy what Rogers. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. I, for some reason, no, because he never said EPKA. No. He said EPKA, 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 or something. EPKA, long little doogies. Exactly. There it's you go. your misfortune and none of my own. <laughs> All right, so you're you're familiar. There you go. You know that Still, joke, right? Uh, which one? They told me to get along little doggy, so I got a dachshund. <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> so, episode 127 begins with Al uh, having a realization and ends with John and Holly smooching in the backseat. So, yesterday we ended things with uh, uh, Carl getting shot by Al. It's revealed at the end of that minute of yesterday's minute that, that Al is the actual shooter, and Carl goes down, and we see that that Al is starting to regain his composure, and this minute begins with a look on Al's face where he's just he's he's starting to really take in what just happened. You know, this was all reflex, this was all adrenaline. You know, he he did a great job with it. it it's funny that he's the only person who drew his gun out of everyone in the entire plaza, you know, and there are tons of cops there. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I, I like the fact, I mean, we talked about this yesterday, that in the script, John actually grabs Robinson's gun. You know, I, I like the fact that he reacts while also protecting Holly, you know, even if he doesn't isn't able to make the shot. Yeah, well, I think that that would have been a real stretch because – you know, Robinson still wasn't that close to him, and it seems – how would he know where Robinson's gun was? In You know, it, it's just one of those things where somebody said, we want him to be participating in the last act, but it makes more sense for Al to be the one who is doing this because he needs that redemptive moment. Right. No, obviously, that that, 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 that comes straight out of the book. You know, it's Al who, who's, who shoots uh, Carl. So that – you know, that, that, was, that was a no-brainer from that perspective. No, but I, I think it would have – shown the more cowboy-esque aspect of the movie. You know, this is basically a modern cowboy movie, especially with, with the Mexican standoffs and uh, the the way that, I mean, even the shot now that happened yesterday between Al and Carl, that is, you know, a high noon aspect, you know, of, of Al drawing his gun and, and shooting Carl before he has a chance to, to, to cause any yeah, more damage. pretty quick on the draw. Yes. <laughs> then, then we hear these voices around saying, all right, I want two of you to go inside and see if there's anybody else. Yes, sir. 
I'll take the left. <laughs> now, it's just really funny because at this point, no one thought about the fact beforehand that maybe all the terrorists aren't dead. You know, we have we have Christoph uh, on the 30th floor out cold and we have Theo out cold in, in the ambulance. So there are two two of them that 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 are still alive. You know, uh, I, I don't think anybody knows that Theo is there. And for sure, they don't know that the Christoph is there because because John hasn't told anybody. He didn't say, oh, by the way, I, I left another uh, I left someone else up upstairs for you to pick up. <laughs> you know, it, does, it doesn't happen. I mean. It, it goes back to something that we've talked about so many times over the course of this entire season. The fact that in 1988, uh, everyone, they did, weren't taking the terrorist threat as seriously as one would, you know, 13 years, uh, 13 plus years later. You know, 9-11 changed the way that people look at these type of situations. I mean, the way that, that the, all the cops and, and the news they're just scoffing at the fact that that someone is claiming there's a terrorist attack in in LA. You know, the news reporters don't. The news team doesn't want to send a reporter there to see what it is. They're going to send a you know a guy who just did it. You know, the police uh, dispatchers don't want to respond. Exactly, and and they they don't even tell Al when he comes to the when, when they send him to go check it out. They don't say to him. You know, be be aware that that someone has called this a terrorist threat. They say, be aware this might be a prank call. You know that. <laughs> so, you know this this goes along with that 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 they're finally at this point saying, okay, you know maybe there's somebody else inside. You know, if you have a backpack on the park bench nowadays, you get a SWAT team response. That's right. That's right. But back back in 1988, in Nakatomi, you know, I'll well, we'll just let the the terrorists walk around. No one cares. Doesn't doesn't really make a difference. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I, know. Rob, I haven't heard uh, all of the episodes. Did you have have you had a guest on who uh lived in Southern California and was around the uh the Fox Tower there? Um I've had people that have visited it and I, I had uh that we I had a, a documentary director on, uh Kurt Kurt Kenny. He was he was on uh I think it was episodes 46 to 50 and he said he had had a few meetings in the fox building you know but you're you're i know you're an la guy so have you i'm assuming you've been yeah there. well i've been there uh i haven't been in the building and of course they discourage all of the tourists now from doing from coming up there but uh, my because they're afraid of terrorists the right across the way for uh a year she had a temp job oh wow and she worked i, I mean literally they looked out the window at the uh, Nakatomi Tower every day. I would, I would actually find that daunting and and scary, you know, because I'd <laughs> constantly be saying to myself, "Okay, what's going on over at Nakatomi?" Yeah, <laughs> watch for the helicopter. That's right. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. And at this point, we we hear you know, the sound of of tires screeching, and then the the, the limo bursts out of the garage. You know, uh, breaking the gate, and we see that the, uh, you know that that part of the the, a part of the limo itself gets damaged, but like even something on the side of the limo gets damaged, which is a little strange, you know. And and the the car swerves a little bit along the way, so I, I guess Argyle is still drunk from drinking all those little uh, cocktails that he was uh, <laughs> you know sipping on beforehand. And then we we see one of the firemen jump out of the way and goes, "Watch it." <laughs> 
and and then Al pivots towards where where uh, where the limo has has shot out from with his gun pointing in the way, and John grabs his gun and pushes it out of the way and says, "Whoa, this one's with me." <laughs> but if we counted correctly, he doesn't have any shots left anyway. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> maybe he maybe he was able to to quickly reload. You know, they, they, we didn't get to see it, you know. <laughs> I don't know. But you're right. I didn't even think about that aspect. But this is the movies. Everyone has magic guns. You know, even you if he go. shot six six bullets, he's got at least one bullet left. You know, because, you know, even though it's a revolver, he, he must have had one in the chamber at the beginning, you know, just to add another bullet in there. <laughs> Who knows? And at this point, you know the, the 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 horn start. We hear a horn horn honking, and then we hear in the background someone talking, which it could be Thornburg or one of his men and one of his assistants. And they go five, four, three, two. And Holly and John start walking. Holly begins to hug John more closely as they're walking away. And you know Argyle then starts honking the horn and starts like waving at them. Which is is hilarious to watch, you know. I I really think he is drunk at this point. I don't I don't think there's any other explanation for the way that he's acting. <laughs> and you know, Thornburg is still he's trying... excited not to be dead. That's true. That's true. Well, he doesn't know how close he came to being dead. You know. Yeah. That Al could have shot him, but nobody again. Well, that once again could have fallen down on top of him. That too. That too. Which which goes back. I mean, something that we we talked about last week and the week before that something is wrong with Hans's plan that the building doesn't collapse. You know, if he wants them to be sifting through the rubble for, for a long time, trying to find dead bodies and trying to find the bearer bonds, you know, he should have first of all scattered some bearer bonds around so that they would at least say, Oh, you know, they must be here because if there are no bearer bonds, it'll be very difficult to believe that the bodies that are there are also the terrorists. But, you know, they were on the, the vault is on the 30th floor and that wasn't as affected by the, the 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 explosion, even the exploding helicopter, <laughs> as one would expect it to. You know, again, it goes back to the fact that that they hadn't witnessed 9/11, so they didn't know that that is actually a possibility. <laughs> yeah, well, the explosion was at the top of the building, not in the middle or at the bottom. So the the collapsing thing probably would have been a little bit different, but it definitely was a freaking mess. Yes. Uh, and remember, their plans do get interrupted. You know, they maybe they would maybe they did plan on distributing some of the uh, bonds because, uh, you know, like you said, to kind of bait the the distraction. But uh, we don't get to see that because John shows up and interrupts their, you know, final. Correct. But that that shouldn't change plan. The, their plan for the explosion, the explosives. No, no, it wouldn't change the plan for the explosion. Although right, that, that's they do it. Pre- I, I think the the other thing is that you had the unanticipated effect of the helicopter exploding, also. Yeah, which that would which caused more damage. Right, <laughs> that would not have been something that uh, Hans would have anticipated that he was going to get a helicopter and it was going to offer additional coverage. No, he was planning on blowing up the helicopter because his plan was is as soon as the helicopter hits the roof, he blows the roof. So the helicopter theoretically was part of his plan that it should explode. Yeah, not but on the, the helicopter not on the side of the building. Down on the side of the building and exploding Correct. on 
on the level that it did. Right. Right. But that that's just good script writing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we then we we go back now to Thornburg, who is still trying to get his Pulitzer, and you know he starts asking questions. He goes, "Mr. McLean, Mr. McLean, now that it's all over after this incredible ordeal, what are your feelings?" And I mean, what what's funny is is I think that you know as much as we hate Thornburg. He very much symbolizes what what we now know, you know, 34 years later, that this is what uh, investigative reporting or in-your-face reporting does, paparazzi and all that stuff. You know, it might have been less uh, prevalent back in 1988, but apparently, you know, it it fits with what we have today. You know, with reality TV and the way that, that it all... You know, th- th- it's always th- been one of those things that's odd when uh, somebody is talking to a person who's just gone through something horrible, something hard, or they're just talking. And they, uh, what question do you ask them? And how do you feel? It just feels like this, the most surface level question you can come up with, but it's probably the one that everybody wants the answer to. Right. I, I think in the 80s, the perfect answer for that question, and I've mentioned this before, is I'm going to Disney World. You know, that's yes. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do now? And, you know, then they, they do a great job of, of the, the, the shot changes. And we see John and Holly via the, the grainy camera, you know, of, of the cameraman, basically. And then Holly turns to, to Thornburg and, and decks him. You know, it gives him a a punch right in the face. And then we hear all this laughing all around, which I wonder who's laughing. (laughs) Because it's probably not Thornburg's assistants. Oh, I think that's exactly who it is. All the people who know what an uh, obnoxious idiot he is, you know, (laughs) laughing at him getting a come up that's right on screen. Yeah, could be. (laughs) And then we, we see him grab his nose and looks at the camera. Right. And this is the first time I noticed this and I, I might have just missed it earlier. He actually has a ring on his finger as if he's married. OK. Hmm. And, you know, when we first are introduced to him back, I think it was in minute 58 or 59, you know, he was talking to someone named Monica about trying to get a, a reservation, you know, with at Wolfgang. You know, but it, did, it didn't sound as if he was talking to his wife. Probably his mistress. It could be. Who knows? <laughs> It's it's very possible, and you know they so they they do that well. The, the the scene is done very well. You know they they don't need any more explanation because Holly knows what what he did, and we know that Holly knows it. And you know they, then they continue. John and, and Holly continue walking, and they approach the limo where Argyle is, and John goes, "Well, well, well." And and then you know he he clasps clasps uh, Argyle on the back, smiles, and says to him, "Merry Christmas, Argyle." And then he and Holly uh, enter the limo, and then Argyle responds to him, "Merry Christmas." And then the shot goes back to Thornburg, and we we see once again through the the grainy image of the camera, and basically he turns to to his cameraman and goes. Did you get that? <laughs> yeah, it's, Which, it's a great reaction shot because it's, you know, sarcastic and disgusted and 
sheepish all at once. Right, and I it's also a callback. Great in that scene. Right, and it's also a callback to the to the shot, you know, when the building blew up, where yeah. Thornburg looked at him and goes, "Did you get Tell that? that? Did you, you get that? that? Tell me that you got that exactly." You know, so it it, it works. It works really well. And then uh, we hear a, a, a fireman walking through the crowd. He goes, let me through, let me through. Thank you. <laughs> and at this point, the shot closes in on Argyle. You know, he closes the, the limo door, walks around to the driver's side, and just says out loud, I don't know who he's talking to, uh, apparently us, because he's not talking to anybody else. He goes, if this is their idea of Christmas, I gotta be here for New Year's. And then the, the shot focuses in on the back of the limo. And we see through the window of the back of the limo, John and Holly beginning to get closer. And, you know, we, we see them start to kiss in the back seat. You know, all that was missing here was them putting like a big heart, you know, like between, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, focusing in on, on the two of them as, as, as they start to, to kiss there. And that's how this minute ends. So did you have anything else you want to say about this minute, Richard? No, I thought that that was, uh, you know, it it does have a couple of beats in it that are interesting and worth talking about. We've mentioned those, but there's not a lot of other content here to to go into. Right. It, it's it, it's fun, you know. And I I, I like that Argyle gets uh, one more lick in, even though he's talking to himself. Yeah. I've done that plenty of times, by the way. I, I talk to myself on a regular basis. <laughs> about about Christmas and New Year's or, or other about things? anything. I'm my favorite conversationalist. <laughs> well, at least you're never bored. That's right. So that that works. <laughs> right. So the, the script has has a few little changes. Nothing nothing really big. First of all, Thornburg. Uh, it says Thornburg pushes his way forward. Mike extended like a weapon, and then he goes, Mr. McLean, Mrs. McLean, any comment on your incredible ordeal? What are your feelings now that it's all over? So it changes a little bit, but I like the fact that in the script, he refers to both of them, which which would would justify Holly decking him even more. Because in the movie, he doesn't talk to Holly. He's talking just to John. Yeah. You know, but in, in the script, if you were to say Mr. McLean and then Mrs. McLean, and then it says, without a beat, Holly punches him in the chops. He falls, dropping the mic with an electric squeal. McLean looks at his wife, amazed. Behind them, Thornburg sits on the ground, nurses his lip, turns to his cameraman, and says in an eager manner, Did you get that? McLean and Holly continue on and turn towards Argyle's limo. It's a little smashed up, but still running. Argyle is standing beside the, beside the front of the open door. McLean and Holly get in, and Argyle closes the door. Argyle enters the front seat and says, If this is their idea of Christmas... I gotta be here for New Year's. Camera adjusts to show the rear window where McLean and Holly are kissing. And as they drive off, it fades out. So, very succinct way of 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 ending, you know, the script. I think they do a nice job here. Uh, tomorrow, we'll 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 get the, the last few seconds of of uh, seeing what's going on on screen. And then we'll we'll get into the credits. Just a little bit of a uh, you know a little bit of a teaser to people that you, the rest of the week or the rest of the show, the next five episodes will all be about the credits. So we're, we'll have fun talking about uh, all these technical aspects of of the movie. So every Tuesday uh, we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track Holiday Edition, where my guests will give a little story, anecdotes, 
uh, adventure, misadventure, or something that, that happened to them that's somewhat related to some sort of holiday. So, uh, Richard, you got a story for us? Yeah, uh, it's kind of a interesting historical note for uh, my own life. You know, I, I don't think the rest of history is going to care that much about it, but it's kind of fun. Uh, I've had a long tradition of going to a movie on Christmas Day. And that uh, started back in 1980, which was the first year I was married. And I wasn't living at home with my folks anymore. I was living with my wife. And we'd spent most of the day with my my, my parents at their place uh, having Christmas. But after Christmas dinner, uh, my wife and I are driving. And I'm saying, I'm not ready for the day to be done. Let's do something. And she said, what do you want to do? I said, well, of course, what do I want to do? I want to go to the movies. And so Richard movies. And, no, come on. Yeah. So Christmas 1980, we started a tradition by going to a movie late that evening. I mean, I think we went to the last screening of this movie on Christmas Day and the movie actually opened that day. It was perhaps one of the worst movies I ever saw, but it started a long tradition. We went to see First Family, which is a comedy directed by Buck Henry and written by Buck Henry that stars Bob Newhart as president of the United States. Oh, wow. That actually and sounds fun. It does sound fun. And it's got a great cast. When you look at the cast, you're going to go, holy criminy, that ought to be hysterical. And it's not. <laughs> it just it just lays there. Uh, and it was such a disappointment because I was, I was a huge Bob Newhart fan. I loved the I watched the Bob Newhart show regularly in the 1970s. And I and Gilda Radner's in the movie, and I thought that'll be fun. Madeline Kahn is in the movie. I'm going. How how can you miss? And you and it just doesn't work at all. But like I said, it was the start of a long tradition. And for 42 years since then, uh, I've gone to the movies on Christmas Day every year. Wow. And do you have a list of every movie that you've seen? Yes, I do. Oh wow. So any, and one any, of them will any probably highlight? come up later this week. Okay. Any any other highlights? <laughs> oh well, you know there there are a lot of movies that were pretty good to, to see at Christmas time. Uh, I the ones that are fun to remember, the ones that are not really very Christmassy. I saw the War of the Roses, and if you remember the way the War of the Roses end, it's a pretty grim movie. Yes. And, and you know that's our holiday movie. And then a few years ago, our holiday movie was uh, the Hateful Eight. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> so not exactly what you're looking for. But I can say that I did uh, the most recent two theatrical versions of um, Little Women on Christmas Day, the 1994 version and the one from uh, 20, 2019, 2020, I think it was. Or 20, 20, 2019. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. Very cool. Thank you for that. That uh, that that is a story that 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 really speaks to me for sure. Good, good. <laughs> you know, as as a kid, I've mentioned this. As a kid, we used to go. You know, being Jewish, so we would go to the movies on Christmas Eve because the movie theaters were empty. And yes. the, the the one movie that I remember seeing, and I'm and I know I've seen more, but the one that I remember seeing was we saw Clue on uh, Christmas Eve. That'd you know, in fun. 1985. You know, so yeah, that was that was that was a fun one to see then, and the the theater was just about empty <laughs> for obvious reasons. You know, they they joke that Jews go out and eat Chinese food on Christmas Eve. We went to the movies, you know? <laughs> but you went on Christmas Day. My, my Christmas you, movie was Enemy Mine. 
Okay, I, 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 I'm a big fan of, of Dennis Quaid. You know, not like Jay, who hates him, you know, but <laughs> but uh, that is not among my favorite of his movies. Uh, I'm, okay. I, you know, I, it's it, it has its moments, but, uh, you know, Louis Gossett Jr. and Dennis Quaid, uh, their characters are a little, uh, I don't know. It's just not there. There are other movies in a similar vein that that are much better, I guess you can say. Fair but, enough. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, Richard, you want to tell people once again how they can get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on the LAM site. That's the Large Association of Movie Blogs, largeassmovieblogs.com. Uh, I'm the host of the LAMcast, a weekly podcast that uh, you can listen to there, where members of the LAM community congregate on a weekly basis to talk about recent films, old films, you know, themes. We've got all kinds of things that are coming up. And, uh, Rob himself has uh, been a frequent guest, and he's going to be guest hosting uh, a few episodes in the in the past. Exactly. <laughs> I'm yeah, also, go, you go, back, go back go back two months, and you'll be able to, yeah. to to hear you know the my guest episode uh, uh, Halloween Halloween weekend. <laughs> there you are, there you are, and then uh, my my personal site is uh, Kirkham a movie a day. I have both a blogspot site and a. Uh, WordPress site. The content is is the same, although the Blogspot site has links to some other projects that are easier to find there. So if you are interested in uh, 80s Nostalgia Central or uh, 30 Years On or the Strother Martin Film Project, the links for all of those projects are found on the Blogspot site. All right. Excellent. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook or you can go and find me on my website, MovieRobMinute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay, everybody. 